welcome to part two of Black Band T-shirt, episode 44, ranking and talking at length, I'm afraid, so sorry, about the discography of Animal Collective. Uh, we're part, getting there, aren't we're we? We're getting there, we're getting through it. Um, you know, I don't, you know, we've talked, but we've talked, I think, about things that are interesting, I hope. Um, part one, we talked about everything from the debut uh spirit they're gone spirit they've vanished all the way through to 2005's feels and i say all the way through that's six albums but only from year 2000 to year 2005 so a prolific time busy boys yeah a um, mixed bag a mixed bag so that was you know going through the lows of things such as dance manatee and arc uh, the highs such as campfire songs and sung tongs for, for Nikki at least it was slightly lower for me but not a terrible album in my opinion just not as high as Nikki uh, and uh, yeah and then 2005 feels so part two we're going to be talking about some of the big boys <laughs> <laughs> we've got everything uh, from that moment onwards and then um, finishing off with our top five uh, wrong pitch fuck pitch fuck <laughs> Pitchfork. <laughs> Top five wrong uh, pitchfork, pitchfork scores. Uh, not Pitchfork. That's something that will get you banned from the FA forevermore. So, we're at 2007's Strawberry Jam, uh, which was my number three and Nikki's number... Two. Two. So, there we go. Pretty high up there. I mean, our, our clearly our joint highest ranked one by quite some way at this point so far sorry that was the sofa squeaking I'm not sure, sure if you can hear that sure. uh, so Nikki this is your number two my number three so you said at the beginning that you think this is the one you were kind of most familiar with before doing this uh, yeah I remember listening to it quite a bit back in the day but um, you know I, I, I'd i say I appreciated it but didn't absolutely love it mm. um, and to be honest, I found it pretty fucking weird. Um, so it was quite a surprise to discover that this is actually quite conventional compared to... Compared to everything that came before it, well, anyway. Well, compared yeah. to a lot of it, anyway. Yeah. Um, I thought it was quite interesting that Pitchfork uh, called it the band's first true pop record, which I'm not sure I entirely agree with. It's a stretch. Um, I mean, it is, it's It's kind of labelled as experimental pop, generally, isn't it? Yeah. Which is where that, they've gone from the freak folk era into the experimental pop era. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I put it on, you know, if I played it to my mum and dad, they'd run out the room. Popular so. music wouldn't be the right term. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it is definitely a move away from that kind of folky sound mm. to something a lot more danceable. Yeah, the, the sort of electronics come back in some ways, and just gen. I think the thing that the next few albums have in common is that density. There's suddenly yes. a lot going on at once. There's a lot going on at once, but it works. Like I yes. think they've managed to find a combination that. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. That really works, and yeah, I mean, you know, because I think a lot of their previous albums have been very busy and chaotic, and but not necessarily in the right way. Mm. I feel like this is chaos, but it's almost organised chaos. Yeah, it's, it feels more deliberate, um, and like, like, yeah, as I said before, I. I didn't really know I wouldn't have been able to name any Animal Collective album other than Meriwether Post Pavilion before doing this as is my ignorance of such things in terms of this area of music a lot of the time um, 
I reckon most people would be the same, though. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I have, that's what I mean. I have no kind of point of reference for it, really. So the only thing I had going into it was knowing that it's the one that you knew. And therefore, I was like, okay, so it's it's surely going to be somewhere in the realm of Meriwether Post Pavilion sound-wise. And I think you can hear that this is the start of that phase of the band. You can hear the bits that they would then sort of take into that direction. Yeah. I mean, again, my, my, my the biggest thing that I liked about it straight away is that songs, memorable, confident, <laughs> deliberate songs are here and they're good. And I think the energy, I think it's got a really cool energy to it. Avi's vocals particularly, Avi yeah. Ter's vocals are just suddenly, the confidence is there now where they are just fully in the front of the mix a lot of the time. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And they sound great. And I think this is the one as well where I think the Beach Boys, like falsetto and those kind of high harmonies happen a lot at this point. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think even more so on Merriweather. That, yeah, that's, I think that's something I made a kind of active note of when we were yeah. listening to that. I thought it was really interesting how the band said they wanted the album to kind of sound like the jam on the cover, just kind of yeah. tangy and sweet and synthetic. And yeah, I yeah. think that's a really good description of of the songs on the album they're kind of very like artificial sounding mm, that's a good word yeah you're right but that's not necessarily a criticism I, th- I don't really see how that goes in line with the other thing that I read about it that they they sort of recorded it in a studio in Tucson Arizona um, after a conscious decision that a desert setting would suit the songs yeah I read that as well I find that odd considering yeah. what you just said which I think seems more in line with how it sounds. Maybe it was the kind of spectacle of it yeah. and the kind of expansiveness kind of... of it rather than like the kind of sparse sound that mm. you probably associate with the desert. But yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a sort of claustrophobic listening experience no, not, not to me. It's kind of, it, it's, it's almost sort of overwhelming, but, mm. but in a good way. And it's, I mean, it's in, you mentioned the artwork. That's been one of the points of contention between the two of us is that I think it's terrible. <laughs> I just think it's a really terrible artwork. Yeah, it's really odd because I, I think it's so iconic. Yeah. Well, like, I suppose you, that's you knowing it for quite a long time and it's the first time I've seen it. And uh... Like when, we, when you first uh, drew the Animal Collective name out of, well, mm. the virtual hat, that was the first kind of image that yeah. came into my mind. I read some comments on some forum somewhere saying that people thought it was like red meat at first. I which, can see that. Which kind of gives it a grossness that I hadn't appreciated. Yeah, yeah I can see how they why they would. It's fair enough. But no, I love it. It's interesting as well to note that, so it's their first album for Domino um, label. And interesting that it's kind of, uh, this was the one that at this point by far had the most commercial success. Yeah, and yet during the recording of it, it's the first. It's the one that they said was the first album that, while they were making it, they weren't really satisfied with it, mm. and were getting frustrated with it not doing what they wanted it to do. Um, it was the first of theirs to get into the charts, mm, right? Yeah, and I wonder if I mean it's. Um, they they mentioned that Deakin particularly struggled with it, and I think that's very interesting. I think his name is going to become very important from this point on, in terms of the albums that I like and don't like. Yeah. Because um, he appears and reappears, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. From this point on, he sort of has time on, time off. And for me, the ones where he is not there are my one and two. 
and savage well you know it's just an observation that, that it's, it can't be a coincidence that the ones he's not there are the most poppy and accessible and they're so the I ones think, you like the most yeah and so I think he's oh, just so mainstream I think he's the one who brings the experimental edge to things yeah and wants to push that kind of side of it I suppose which I'm not saying I don't like that side of them. Mm. I have a lot of respect for that side of them. But I think in terms of a newcomer to most of these albums, the ones that stood out as ones that I was like, yeah, I'd listen to that again, are the ones that are more accessible. I mean, I'd struggle to call any of their albums like not experimental. No. They've always that's... got interesting stuff going on. Um... Yeah, even the poppiest ones, definitely. And I think all the band members like that that's why they are part of this band together yeah you know i think it's the key thing about them is that they like experimenting and trying new things but well yeah look at their first album yeah because he wasn't on that but, was he? but but also there was no he wasn't but also i think there was still more of a there were definite there, we disagreed on that a little bit but i still think there were songs and melodies on that first album it was still an, an experimental album with even pop at its core no like folk pop and stuff but I don't know. Okay, maybe, but yeah, if we if we're going back to the sort of popular music definition, I kind of struggle to label it as that. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was. In- I mean, it was interesting as well, linked to what, what we were just talking about in terms of their their feeling towards it when they first uh, played it to the um, like uh, label record label manager for Domino. They were really worried about the reception it would get because they thought they were turning in a really difficult you know, it was going to be a flop and he absolutely loved it okay. and said, this is going to be a hit. Yeah. You've, you've outdone yourselves. So it's just really interesting. I, lo- I love cases like that where you've got an album where the artist and the audience clearly are hearing it differently. I think this is one of those. Yeah. So, should we go into some, uh, some songs? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do you want to do worst first again? It seems to be the way we're doing it, just getting the bad bits out of the way. To be honest, I really struggled to pick out a worst song. Yeah. Because um, I think it's a very kind of cohesive, uh, just, you know, just a really good like piece of work from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, I did put uh, Cuckoo Cuckoo in the end. Not, you know, it's not a bad song. I think I just put that it kind of lacks the focus of um, yeah, it's that, it's the that, rest of them. It's that atmospheric slow stuff yeah. coming back, isn't it? Yeah, it's not my way. I did quite, I, I did like, I'm, I'm the same. I did struggle. There's not, there's not any songs here that I'd say I actively dislike. Like there there's no, ones. there's no filler. No. It is in fact all killer. Thank you, Wibbly. I, uh, I went for number one in the end oh right yeah which i don't know again i don't dislike it i lo- I really like the themes of it it's all about it's meant to be like a conversation between a father and firstborn son um about like just generally trials of life and how to overcome them and things like that so it's quite a nice you know theme um you're just being really heartless yeah basically and i've like you know i like a lot of the instrumentation and all that kind of thing i just think I don't know, maybe it was one that didn't stick with me as much as a lot of the others. I think it's another one similar to Cuckoo Cuckoo. It serves as a kind of a bit of a resting point. Yeah. Amongst the hectic nature of the rest of it. It's such a high energy album, isn't it? That you almost want it to keep going. Yeah. I think that's what I've said about that song overall. It's a good resting point, but in and of itself, not that interesting. Isolated from the album. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that that being my worst song shows that it's it's an album I really really like because that is a song I like yeah. still. Um, do you have a, a just a one off favorite for this one in the end? Um, I I struggled with this one yeah. obviously to, to choose, so I've got I've a couple. Got, I've got a couple of highlights. So, uh, Peace Bone as an opening track, <laughs> I think, is absolutely incredible. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. not going to do an impression of the beginning, but I could. Self-proclaimed Dardaist nonsense for the lyrics. <laughs> Hang on. Um, yeah, it's just I just love how it's just like this cacophony of weird, blippy yeah. electronic noises, and then kind of builds into this really hypnotic rhythm. Um, yeah, just kind of sets the tone mm. for the album. Um, yeah, I really love it. It's it's one of the songs that I remember from listening the first time and when I listened yeah. for the first time I was like haven't really heard anything like this before mm. yeah it does it definitely is straight away it's something that is quite jarring but in a interesting and intriguing yeah. way yeah jarring but not annoying in yeah. the way that although my one thing I've said about it is that I do find the bit in the chorus where he does those random high notes quite irritating okay yeah I struggle with that I can see how it would be irritating for me, it just worked yeah. in a way that a lot of their other really experimental tracks haven't. Yeah, fair enough. The other one for me uh, was Fireworks, which I think mm. is possibly the best Animal Collective song there is. Wow. You seem surprised. It's not in my top three. Really? Because yeah. um, it's known as like... It is one of their most popular yeah. songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, the, I'm pretty sure it's like the most popular Animal Collective song. It's another kind of... No, surely my, surely my girls... Well, with with fans, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. In terms yeah. Of, right, yeah. I don't mean in terms of like listens Most and listens stuff. To, but um, yeah, I just think it's a really magical song. Um, kind of evokes those no- yeah. nostalgic feelings that um, last couple of albums have. Really beautiful melodies. And um, the drums sound like fireworks as, as well, yeah. which is pretty cool. Uh, the only uh, bad thing for me was the awful lyric, which is frightened babies poo. Um, it's like that has no place in a song. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. That's awful. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah, absolutely I'm, love that song. I do, yeah, like I say, it's not it's not in my top three songs, but I did really like it, and it had the same effect on me as most of Post Pavilion does. Mm. In that it it basically I just wanted to stand and sway in the sun to it. It's that kind yeah. of mesmerizing, chilled feel, slightly hypnotic. I'd say, like standing and watching fireworks. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, my only criticism of it was, again, I do feel like it went on a little too long. I think it outstayed its welcome slightly. Um, which Respectfully is something, disagree. Something at this point I still don't think they'd quite mastered. <laughs> but you know, Will they ever? Well, they definitely did on one album. We'll come to that. <laughs> my, so I've got, I've got a top three. My, my third was Chores. Which I'm pretty sure is about smoking weed, right? But I, I think it's generally, yeah. Uh, my first note I made for that was, ooh, bouncy. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those really upbeat ones on there. It is quite a bouncy album, isn't it? And I think I, I, I think the thing with that song was that it really because up to this po- up to that track, it's the most kind of joyful and engaging that they've sounded to me. Yeah. Uh, so it stuck out for those reasons. Then uh, Derek, I really like. Okay. Which is, is the, the closer again? I like their yeah. closers. I hadn't noticed, but I like their closes. Um, what did you like so much about it? I, lo- I really you liked just the love shifts. closing tracks. Yeah, well, it's another one about a dog. 
Okay. Like, why wouldn't you end the album with a strangely jaunty song about wishing you treated your dead dog better? Is this the same dog? I don't know. That he was going on about on campfire songs because maybe he's just got a history of dead dogs falling out of trees. <laughs> Um, I think there's, it does a really cool thing as well where it kind of shifts from folky to like cinematic halfway through it has a real shift yeah. of just suddenly getting really expansive again which for a closing track works really well cinematic's quite a good word actually mm, for um, the album generally and it has and it has like that cinematic bit then just has this building repeating line of what do you see when you see inside of me which is very catchy mm, and kind of very effective very nice um my number one though I don't know I don't know if you'll be surprised by this or not I don't I would have thought you wouldn't be surprised by this is Forever and Green oh yeah that's a brilliant song as well um, love it I think that might be one of my absolute favourites of theirs it's an intentionally misheard or miswritten lyric for Forever and Green uh, okay was like the original lyric and they turned that into Forever and Green um, no, that's definitely from what I've read. That's a real fan favorite as well. Cool. It's I defi- mean, it's, it's just, definitely up there for me. Again, it's one where he lets his vocal kind of just get pushed to that next level a little bit, and I mean, it does have those screamy, slightly screamy things mm. going on. But I think in this case, he chooses carefully where he does that to yeah. have a real impact, and it works really well. And it causes it's like an excited scream yeah, rather than yeah, like yeah. angry or anything like that or pained or anything it's more no, just a, I, like yeah I don't mind the screaming at all on this album yeah. because like you say he picks his moments and it's not just like incessant yeah I just think it's bloody great from start to finish yeah one. absolutely love it agreed so yeah obviously next album is top for both of us right let's go <laughs> let's go so so we've got rid of Deakin which which this is what I was getting at yeah <laughs> Deakin's had enough for a bit seems to make you very happy he's had enough for a bit down with Deakin I think he went to spend time I think he had a young kid at this point or something and, and wanted time out I think yeah. is what I read but yeah he's gone and so they've gone alright oh, we can have fun we can we can make something happy and oh, I cool. don't know Strawberry uh, Jam is a pretty yeah, fun no, album no it is but it's, I don't know there's some kind of shift with this album it just feels so much more celebratory I feel like it's the sound of a band, everything finally clicking. Yes. And, you know, just just re- finding that sweet spot where everything just kind of works. And it's like the culmination of everything good that they've yeah. done um, up until this point. Like, this is one where there definitely are some absolute bangers of pop songs. Yeah. That you could get away with playing to most people and they would enjoy. Yeah. In fact, I have proof of that because my number one I played for my class the other day and they absolutely loved it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, if, if 10-year-olds can hear it for the first yeah. time and get on board, then you know you've got a good it pop song. It has got that kind of childlike, innocent mm. quality that that I don't think is new. And again, those Beach Boys harmonies and things yeah. are, are, what, are what really help with that. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was really striking to mm. me. I mean, even you know before reading about the influence that band has on them like yeah the the harmonies you know very kind of prominent here um i think i think what's significant as well is that this is the first one where they've properly just ditched guitars it's mostly samples and synthesizers for the first time um which is interesting because i think i i again because this is the album i mostly knew i suppose i think i always thought of them as being a mostly electronic band I didn't yeah, realise that here. they were kind of quite guitar heavy for a long time. Yeah, no, I thought um, exactly the same. That's why when I heard Campfire songs for the first time, mm. I was a bit like, this 
cannot be the same band. I think I think texture is the word I'd use a lot here as well. In terms yeah. of they just master getting these thick, complicated textures that just mm, work thick. really well. Mm, thick textures. Yes. I was um, gonna, I was gonna say very lush. Yes. Very rich. Yes. Mm, lush, rich textures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also really. I mean, it's. It almost feels pointless to say because it's just kind of so known a thing about amongst people who are into this kind of music, I suppose. But there is no denying the impact and influence that this album had on the sort of landscape of um, alternative indie music and then alternative pop as yeah. well. Like if you're talking psychedelic pop, you're then looking after this, you've got the success of Tame Impala being a big one. Of course. Like all of that kind of movement that is now still popular and has grown over the time yeah. since this album onwards it's got to have had a big impact on that um yeah definitely i would have thought so we're talking so this is 2009 we haven't said so we've got a two, gaps of two years between each of these last so they're clearly taking their time a bit more at this mm. point as well um yeah which i think is really good like everything just seems a bit more considered That's... at this point they're not just kind of throwing everything at mm. it and hoping something sticks like according to the metacritic website again it's the most highly uh acclaimed album by critics of 2009 uh, okay which is interesting like, well that it's not just kind of the slightly left field alternative press that yeah do you know what i mean it was well obviously of... pitchfork bloody loved it of course yeah. um Gave it a 9.6, which I think is pretty much unheard of. Mm. I mean, I know, you know, there's been the odd 10, but that's an incredibly high rating. But I feel like something like a 9.6 is more meaningful than a 10, because a 10 is almost like a statement score, you know? Whereas that's just... Why 0.6? Why so specific? Because it's pitchfork and they have these weird... whatever. I really want to know, like, where the 0.6 comes from. Yeah. Um, They must have had their reasons. Maybe I'm giving too much credit. But yeah, I, I get. I mean, and this it's worth saying. So this is the only I own this on CD, and this is what I miss about CDs and things. All right, Granddad. Oh, I do because I remember it for the packaging as well. So the the artwork is the kind of pattern that is. Um, I made a note of it actually. So it's based on one of the uh, it's illusory mo- illusory motion is the idea of that kind of pattern where you look at it for long enough and it looks like it's moving. Um, it is pretty groovy. Yeah, but based on <laughs> just gonna just gonna pretend that didn't happen. Do you like that? Yeah, based it's based on the works of Japanese psychologist Akiyoshi Kitayoka. Um, and uh, but, but, why the accent? <laughs> I can't help it. That's what happens when I say names from another country. Um, no offense, Ben. It's just how it's meant to be said. Oh god, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, but it's also, it's, I remember buying it and being surprised by how kind of simple the packaging is. So it's just that pattern wrap around and it's cardboard and you just kind of almost open it up like a box. It opens out on each side and the CD's just sort of stuck there in the middle. Nice. So yeah, I think and I think the, like, this is the only, the reason this is my number one is it's the only album. I made sort of plus, big plus points and big minus points for each album just to kind of help me with the ranking and this is the only one where I only had positives yeah like I had no negatives that I could find with it um 
it doesn't feel I've talked about the lengths of songs and albums mm -hmm. up to this point being a negative this one is still nearly an hour long but is it, it but it doesn't feel like it yeah no I'm really, that really surprises me doesn't remotely feel like it yeah so I think you know it's fully deserving of all, of all the credit it gets basically yeah I mean I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be my number one because I just didn't <laughs> want to be that person I, I'm I, I know what you mean and I agree but I'm, but on a selfish level or not selfish but just on a self-centred level I suppose, I'm really really happy and pleased that I've loved it as much as I have because mm. until now it's not really clicked with me no I think like I said I bought it like a year after it came out HMV sale didn't know much about it other than it was meant to be amazing so I was expecting this incredible thing yeah not really having listened to anything like this maybe it's just the thrill of getting through all the other albums maybe maybe <laughs> But yeah, but played it a couple of times, didn't get it, and it sat on my shelf. Yeah. And this is the first time I've probably paid attention to it since then, and absolutely love it. So clearly my tastes have developed <laughs> over time. And well. we've been listening to the albums throughout quite a sticky summer. It so... definitely has fit the weather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, did you manage to sort of pick out a worst song here? Um... No, to be honest. I mean, I actually, I wrote down No More Running, mm -hmm. um, but I actually re-listened to that the other day and it's it's just it's just not a bad song at all. The chorus is sublime in I that song. I think I just, I put change of pace, which yeah. isn't necessarily it's like a, chill, a bad it's a, thing. It's one of the most chilled out ones, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Swampy, I described yeah, that one as. But no, I mean... I'd rather just kind of scratch that, to be honest, because I I, I don't really have a worse song. I, I do think that 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 last little bit before the last track is maybe the weakest point, because my one option that I was possibly thinking might be my worst is lying in a coma just before that. Mm. Um. Uh, but I went with oh, I've got worth mentioning lying in a coma. It's got my new favourite musical instrument uh, featuring in it, being the jaw harp. <sighs> I say this because Nicky bought me a jaw harp for uh, my birthday this oh, year. You and go and every get now it. and then, I just pick it up and give it a little. No, go. you need to get. You need. You, this needs to be on the podcast. Um, Chris is now going to give listeners a demonstration. Well, yeah, because clearly people need educating in this. Because Nikki's uh, much to her delight, heard this noise a lot over the last few months and still didn't recognise it in the song, even though it's very clear. It sounds a little bit like this. Yeah. So yeah, not at all annoying. Not, not annoying in any in way. Uh, so, and but what, I've only got myself to blame. What makes it even better is the jaw harp is a sample uh, from a traditional South African musician, Madosini. Uh, oh, so they couldn't be bothered to play it themselves. Couldn't even, couldn't even just stick a bit of metal to their teeth and ping it themselves. Oh. Um, but my 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 least favorite in the end was I went with the one just before that, which is taste. Um, mm. Which is kind of annoying that it is, but it's the only one where at any point I said that it was kind of starting to drift into the background for me a little okay. bit as it went on. That's fair. Um, but I really like, there's kind of almost like a dance hall beat going on at the beginning. Um, like a psychedelic dance hall track is what I got from it. Uh, so I still, I still like it a lot. But that was the one that I could maybe pick out as one that I got slightly yeah. bored but, of. But you know, we don't have to pick out worse tracks. No, we do, because that's the podcast, Nikki. <laughs> and the podcast is stupid. We know this. Can't possibly deviate from the format. No, no. That is not allowed. 
Um, how on earth do you pick best songs here? I mean, I have one. But I don't know if it's the best song. No. It's just my favourite to put on and listen to. Is it My Girls? It's not. It's okay. not in my top three. Because obviously that's probably the most famous oh. um, Animal Collective song. And it is a banger. Uh, it is, as as are most of the songs on here. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of love the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about Panda Bear's love for his wife and daughter. Yeah, so it, it is very So it makes me feel wholesome. warm and fuzzy. Yeah, incredibly wholesome. Um. My favourite, though, is probably Summertime Clothes. Snap. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I put that, you know, it feels like a humid, sleepless summer night. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think the fact that we've been listening to it when it's been hot and humid Mm. and in the middle of a heatwave has helped. I like, I've gone for walks to the shop with listening to this song just because it's just suited it. Uh, And there's something about that chorus line of um is it, i want to walk around with you or something yes. um i just think is is so simple but so beautiful yeah. in, in its simplicity and what it sort of stands for uh yeah i just think it is for me i think it is a perfect pop song in that it is catchy and accessible but it is still interesting and yeah. a bit odd it's actually got a bit of heart behind it so you played that one to the kids yeah and they loved it. They loved it, yeah. Yeah. I know. I was expecting them to sort of say yeah. what they usually say when I play the music and ask How me How many what, other teachers play their kids' animal what, collective, eh? What old crap that is and can, can I put Imagine Dragons on? Um, <laughs> but that didn't happen on this occasion. They're not on the list, are they? No, God, no. I'm not putting anyone through that, least of all myself. Yeah. A summer song from a summer album. Yeah. Um, have you got any other highlights other than just all of them yeah no I'm, I'm I mean those were the particular two I wanted to mention but I mean I could prob- I could you know yeah list all the tracks really I've, I've got In the Flowers the opener as my third yeah. favourite um, just a typically odd atmospheric intro from them so at first if you didn't know when you first listened to this album you might be kind of thinking oh here they go again mm-hmm. um, but then just really I don't know, it almost is creating that sense of preparing to set off on some kind of journey into the unknown Mm. for me. It's very, I don't know. And then just becomes more Beach Boys than ever. Yeah. Straight away. Also, with a dash of, this is something that comes up on a later album, I think. I don't think it's on this one the second time, but there's a couple of songs of theirs in this latter period. And I think it's the Beach Boys influence being shared with this band more than it being sounding similar to this band themselves. But I think there's comparisons to certain Band of Horses tracks in really? some of their stuff. The vocal, particularly, yeah, okay. is what I'm getting at. Oh, vocally, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, I didn't make that clear. Yeah, not music, but no, vocally. I think there are some certain melodies that they yeah. use that wouldn't sound out of place on a Band of I Horses the song. the effects they use as well. And, I, you know, I think Band of Horses vocals are very influenced by Beach Boys as well. Yeah. I don't think that's a, you know, I think that's the reason. Um, yeah, possibly some of the effects being used as well, yeah. Possibly, and it, I mean this was like the peak of Band of Horses popularity was happening around the same time as this as well. So it was kind of yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I'd never put those two bands together, but mm. yeah, now you say yeah, great. Uh, and that, oh, my number two song was um, Brother Sport, which is the closer again. <laughs> yes. There we go. I just think it closes the album with pure joy. Yeah, I I think the. 
but oddness is still there like it's yeah absolutely. It, it's still a really unique piece of work mm-hmm. um because i feel like you know calling something pop can be read as a bit of a slur but... i think i think in more recent years that's gone by people who are kind of into a wider spectrum of music i think good pop is something that is appreciated and recognized as existing but yeah you're right i think to most people it mean they would think of you know still think of things like boy bands and girl bands and... yeah i just wonder if you were like a massive animal collective fan mm. before this came out and you loved all the really weird shit i, I wonder what you know yeah you would have made of this whether you know whether they ever had any kind of accusations of like selling out I don't know about well, well, I'm sure they did have detractors and people that weren't happy about it, um, but they're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Like I say, I think I think that is the key. It is it is the perfect. It's on both our number ones because it is the perfect midpoint of everything they do. Yeah. So we move on from that uh, mutual love of an album mm-hmm. to one of the ones that we are the most split on yeah so uh, I'm just just double checking my ranking because mm. I forgot where I put this oh yeah it's my 8th and, and we have a we have a big gap here the biggest gap so far we go from January 2009 Murray Post Pavilion to September 2012 so three and a half years you haven't said it was my 8th oh sorry 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 uh, my number 4 I think in the end wasn't it yeah my number 4 yeah, so quite the difference. Um, yeah, Centipede Hurts. Yeah. Stylized as HZ for the abbreviation. And of your Hertz. boy Deakin's back, so I'm surprised you love it so much. Yeah, I think basically this is. Basically, when I did my first initial just casual listen through, other than Merryweather, this is the one that stuck with me the most. More okay. than Strawberry Jam. Really? Even though I now have Strawberry Jam one place above it because it's a better album, it is. Yeah. Why? Um, why did it stick with you so much? Because it's kind got, of the opposite for me. Because it's be got some. I think it's got a definite identity to it as an album, and I think it has got some really memorable moments. I think it's got some really catchy, memorable moments of songs that stuck with me. It's more that certain bits stuck with me than the whole album did, and I think it's. I think it's vivid. I think that's the thing. Like from the artwork, which is just, just absolute chaos, <laughs> um, and not very good. Again, like, but I think almost deliberately so. Like, you really have to look at it carefully to try and work out what the bits that are going on there are. Um, but I think that reflects the sound of the album really well as well. Yeah. I think it is the most out of all their albums. It is the one that you could most say is just throwing everything at the wall. And that, a lot of the time, is its weakness. Yeah, and that's why I, Um, you know, that's why I struggled with it. To me, it's like returning to those kind of noisy, mm. surreal roots. Um, And... Go on, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I was just going to follow up that. And, you know, I think I've said before that, you know, when, when they're doing that and they're being really undisciplined, I admire it, but I just don't find it enjoyable to listen to. I think the difference for me is they're not being as undisciplined with song structure here. They're just being undisciplined with sound, <laughs> with amount of stuff. 
I don't know. Um, I think they've you know there's definitely a lot more complexity in the song structures compared to their last yeah. few albums. Yeah, yeah. But I've got that as a positive is that they've returned to that experimental approach, but retained the sense of emotional depth and melody that they've developed. Um, yeah, for me, it's just it's just too cluttered. Yeah, I agree. I that, like I said, that, I think that is my, the biggest weakness of it. I, what I would say though is that on second listen through, is there are more songs on here that aren't as cluttered than I'd thought. I think because the ones that are are so in your face mm. and bombarding, that's what sticks with you. Yeah. Whereas on second listen through, there are more songs that are actually a bit more held back than I'd sort of remembered. Okay. Yeah. Which is what knocked it up my maybe ranking it's a again grow a bit. You know, maybe. Maybe it requires a few more listens mm. to really appreciate. Maybe it just seemed really jarring after it, Merryweather. It is. It's an absolute assault, you know. Um, but why? Why does that? Why does it work for you on this compared to like, you know, you've described previous albums of theirs as sounding like that, and they just really haven't worked for you because there are hooks. Okay. Basically. So I'm thinking. Because um, I struggle to find them. See, uh, so my second favourite song, Applesauce, has like the line, the melody of one line is just the melody of any, any Animal Collective song at this point that is the one that will just keep coming back to my head, uh, okay. which is the, uh, I eat a mango and I'm feeling like a little honey can roll. There's just something about the way that line just rolls along. Yeah. Really works and just gets stuck in there. Um, <laughs> that, Yeah. That that is one of the album's high points. Um, it's just such an addictive little thing, little melody, um, and the closest we've got to that kind of playful, uplifting feel of the previous two albums. Mm-hmm. I think that song. Um, I think it keeps going on that trajectory, but with like little bursts of this album's excess. Um, so it's kind of I feel like that song is a yeah is a is a really high high point for that reason. Like, um, I really respect what they were trying to do because I think it, it does seem like a sort of reaction to the success of the previous album. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I'll say it again, like the tusk to their rumours. Um... <laughs> and, um, you know, I read a bit about the making of it and that they, they yeah. wanted it to kind of have that live band feel. Yeah, so they said, I think, was it... Yeah, I've got the same... I read the same thing, I think, where... I can't remember who it was who said it, but they said that the... Merryweather was very much written with headphones listening in mind, mm. whereas this was written with live listening in mind. Yeah, and they um, moved back to their hometown together. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I kind of yeah, I I, I completely get what they were trying to do, but it just it, it didn't gel for me in the way that the last, I think four albums, I think they were on a kind of perfect streak, mm. and this one just didn't quite hit the mark for me but but like you say it might benefit from kind of yeah i think there are listening. I, I think there are really there are little gems in there to find and and they sort of gradually come out of you definitely lots of white noise <laughs> there is more white noise going on yeah do you have you got a a, a worst offender uh i've got father time down as my worst is that your favorite yeah <laughs> i've put all tension and no release. Mm, so, okay. um, yeah, make of that what you will. But, you know, that was just a that was just a kind of immediate reaction. So, I'd be interested to hear what why why it's your favorite. I think 
the vocal reminded me a bit of the same reasons I liked Forever and Green. It's got sudden, like, intense bits yeah. that happen. Um, it reminded me a bit of an old-fashioned seafront, the kind of music you'd imagine playing there. Right, It's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. But an ele- weird sort of electronic distorted version of that. Um, yeah, I think the vocal was really, really great. That There's that... Uh, and didn't he pass a long time ago is the lyric where he sort of really lets his voice mm. crack at the end of that. Um, and the structure of it, I think, is really cool. It kind of, it just, it sort of gradually builds up and up and up and then fades back down again. And I hate a fade out. That's well established mm. on this podcast, but it's not, a, that's the key. It's not a fade out. It fades away. It kind of fades to silence in terms of naturally the instruments gradually stop. And it kind of breaks right. down rather than, and I, I don't know. There's something about yeah. I mean, when that happens, I, I quite didn't. Like... You talk about structure. I think that was my problem with it. It didn't really have a structure. Oh, yeah, I thought it did. But interesting. Again, yeah. Again, I think I think the vocal and the, the sort of the, the vocal part that stuck with me is a big part of it. Um, again, Monkey Riches is another highlight for me, um, which comes a couple of songs after that, which is another more kind of immediate and memorable one. And another unrestrained vocal, which again mm. reminded me of Lindsay's Lindsay Buckingham's solo stuff. That kind of oh, weird. Here slightly... we bloody go. Well, you know it's going to happen. I will, um, I will bang the uh, Fleetwood Mac of influence more people than you realise. Drum forever. I, I had Amanita as my favourite track. I can't remember. You can't actually. Right? No, I can't remember that one. Where's that? Oh, it's the closer. Oh, first time you've gone with a closure and I haven't. <laughs> um, and I think for me that was just the least kind of jumbled and the one mm. I most wanted to return to. Um, yeah, I did like that one a lot. I remember it now. There was, I thought there was something a little bit as another band we haven't mentioned that very much kind of I don't know contemporaries I suppose MGMT. Course. Um, I think there's something quite MGMT about that track yeah. in particular, those synths particularly. Yeah, no, I do think it's a really good cur- 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 closer. Again, I thought the 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 beat that's going on is almost like an electronic cover of an old fifties Hollywood epic soundtrack, like <laughs> Ben Hur or something like that. Yeah, it's a cool song, and it, yeah, it's the one that kind of has the most focus, I think. For you know, for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got I had pulleys as my worst. Didn't I? Didn't mention that. But, yeah. Um, I do remember not particularly getting so on. So it's that a fairly either. short one in comparison to a lot of them, but it it still feels like it drags. Uh, my my the only other thing I said about it was, what? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that was my reaction to most of the album. To be honest. Uh, yeah, interesting. I got yeah, definitely. Clearly, I just got a lot more out of it. More things got their hooks into me than they did yeah. really. I mean, you are, you know, you, you're, you're slightly convincing me to give it another go, but maybe, maybe you're just wrong. Maybe I'm just wrong. It's perfectly possible. It's unlikely, <laughs> but it's possible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so unlikely. And so we continue the pattern of albums we have a slight disagreement on in that same kind of split. Uh, with 2016 so again a four year gap here again we're definitely getting more 
I mean, they're, they're busy people at this point. They've got other things going on. They've yeah. got families. They've moved to different places. You know, it's what happens as a band goes on, isn't it? Side projects galore. Yeah. Um, 2016's Painting With, which is a very divisive album in the amongst fans and things and amongst critics yeah well. and it's my number five so okay so you okay so yeah it's not I, as big I as do it. really like it um and i'm actually quite surprised it's so divisive to mm. be honest yeah um, well i am but i'm not i would be if it were any other band do you well so you're you're saying that the kind of the poppiness of it means it gets the pretentious fuckers yeah. backs up yeah it is this one is by far their most um pop album yeah and it's probably their shortest right it, i think it must be it's about 40 minutes isn't it and they delib- they made a deliberate choice to make all the songs no longer than they needed to be basically which you know is a nice novel concept <laughs> um i say that as someone who writes over long songs i can't yeah remember. but I mean, it was a deliberate thing. Like, they refer to it as their Ramones album, for example. (laughs) Um, Just in that sense of it wanting to just be... Like, it was a bit of a joke thing, but just in terms of it wanting to be much more immediate and straight to the point, they ditched a lot of the sort of reverb and effects that were going on to make it much cleaner sounding. Yeah. Um, And those kind of long, drawn-out, ambient moments. Yeah, all of that's gone. Deacon's not there. Wow, you really hate this guy. I, I don't. I just Poor think Deacon. I don't. I've just noticed that my top two are the two that he's not there for. <laughs> That's all, um, and they're also their two most accessible. So it's not that I, I I have absolute respect for him as an artist. I think he's interesting, and I think he's experimental. And I, you know, I but I think clearly there's something that means that when he's not involved, they tend to go down the route of actually showing off what incredibly good songwriters they are in terms of traditional songwriting yeah and that is a talent in itself that not a lot of people have and they have it and, and they then he don't comes back use and he's much. like more screeching please yeah like like you listen to i listened to um just c- choice cuts from panda bear and avitaire's solo efforts the other day they're more accessible than anything animal collective have done yeah 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 for sure so clearly they have a talent for that kind of songwriting and enjoy that kind of songwriting so I feel like when when there's less influence veering them in other directions that's what comes out um, yeah. I think that's all it is and you mentioned the gap between this and the previous album mm. um, I read that they kind of retreated to their we were talking about side projects yeah. it was a kind of return after a period of them retreating yeah. to their individual side projects because they were quite stressed out yeah um and i think the kind of the the kind of really poppy colorful nature of it may be a kind of reaction to that stress kind yeah. of wanting to just do something fun just something fun yeah exactly like i think that's it it's like joyful again all the all the melodies and harmonies are joyful like they were on merryweather um every song is enjoyable i found it really hard to choose a favorite on this one again yeah the length is a real plus I mean, it's quite. I think it's quite cool as well that they just embraced the comparisons at this point to the Beach Boys and recorded in Studio 3 of East West Studios in Hollywood, which is the same room that Brian Wilson used for Pet Sounds. Damn, and I had that fact ready to say. So, but, but it is an important one because I think it shows, it shows almost a 
um, a ditching of or a lack of pretense on their part. Yeah. You know, that they're kind of... Just embracing their influences. exactly. Can I say the speakers thing? Absolutely. Um, So the album was premiered over the speakers at, I think it's Baltimore, Washington Airport. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very cool. On loop for a whole day, basically. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, God. Can you imagine if your flight was delayed? Yeah. (laughs) Or can you imagine if they premiered um, Dance Manatee? (laughs) And your flight was delayed. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Multiple homicides. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So... Like I said, I found it really difficult to to sort of um, this one probably more than any other actually to distinguish favorite songs to okay. pick favorite songs out because I think there it's it's really consistent. I have a definite favorite. Okay, I think you probably know what it is. Is it the one you keep singing at me, Floridada? Yeah, which is their second most played song after My Girls. It's really interesting that on Apple, or Apple Music at least, I'm guessing it'd be pretty similar on Spotify the top eight most played songs from Animal Collective are all from Meriwether Post Pavilion except Floridada which yeah, is the second Yeah, I don't know if it's most. been used in the TV show or something because yeah, that know. seems to happen a lot but it's just like delightfully catchy, infectious Yeah Uplifting Yeah, um, It's a great choice of opener I think it all it almost sounds like it could be like a video game soundtrack yeah. which I really enjoy um, Yeah, it was definitely the one you know, I know it's the opening track, but it's definitely the one that kind of stuck with me. And like mm. you say, I'm still kind of singing yeah, yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's one of their kind of really properly catchy mm-hmm. songs. So I really, really dig that song. Cool. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with it. It's great. I, I really like the the idea behind it lyrically as well. Is the like um, meant to be a commentary on the prejudice people have about people from other areas. Oh, interesting. So it's meant to be that idea that, like, in America especially, people think people a certain thing about people from Florida. and wow. that, And that he doesn't think that that's a very kind thing, Aww. essentially. Um, so I thought that was quite nice. Also, really enjoyed the little sample of Wipeout that you get in the middle. I don't know if you noticed that. There's this tiny little bit, the old uh, the American Surf song, that starts with some, like, manic laugh. goes, ah, Wipeout. It does that. And there's uh, that little sample of that bit in the middle okay. of the song. Uh, it was really cool. I don't know. I'm I'm probably sounding really ignorant, but I don't know what that is. You'd definitely recognise the song if I okay. play it to you. I'll play it to you later. You'd definitely, definitely, definitely. I think it's one of those songs everyone would recognise the tune without knowing they know it. Right. It's just a classic surf rock song. Um, did you have the worst one? Uh, I had... Uh, I mean, yeah, I generally really liked the album. Um thought it was really catchy indie pop just mm-hmm. yeah just really liked it um the, the one i had as my worst was spilling guts is that your favorite yeah okay i just it it just kind of didn't leave much of an impression on me i thought it was quite unengaging it was it was a yeah it was that was the one that when it was playing i was like yeah this is going to be my favorite it's just one of those that just really stood out bizarre banger essentially that's so weird that that was the one that stood out to you yeah I just, again well, I've not written much about it I yeah. just got pure joy from it okay um, and they've got the really cool thing that they 
sort of have developed and done more and more, which is where they've got the kind of alternating vocal, like where one of them saying one word and the next one says yeah, the next word in really quick succession. That was another thing I was going to say. I forgot to say. I thought that was cool to start with, but it became a bit grating. There's another song where it becomes annoying, which I think is actually on time skips if i remember right oh okay maybe that's what i'm getting confused. i think this was the first one where they do it a lot but they kind of do it in a way that's still enjoyable i think it was on time skips where there's one that, that gets annoying but yeah i agree it did get annoying eventually um as it's in, like as they found this kind of effect they could yeah. do and interesting i noticed he um panda bear does it on some of his solo stuff as yeah well. it's like we get it yeah you found a trick well done <laughs> move on <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, Spinning Guts was my favourite. Uh, Golden Gals, number three. <laughs> what are you saying? Golden Gal! Uh, yeah, I liked that song as you well. Can't say, you can't say that title as an Englishman, can you really? Um, again, I feel like that's one of the more disciplined ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real head bopper. A bit more, the pace comes down a bit. Head bopper. Head bopper. Um... Yeah, one of the most Beach Boys ones on here as well. Yeah, actually, I think. Again, wanted to just dance in the sun to it. Really love it. I think most of the criticism I've seen of this album is that it, it kind of lacks the ambition. Yeah, of their which, earlier which stuff. absolutely does. They're not trying to be experimental or clever with it mm. necessarily, but that's okay to me. Like they don't always have to. They've they've more than proved that they are capable of doing that, yeah. of pushing boundaries. Just let and, them have some fun. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's bizarre to me it's literally it's one of the lowest critically rated of their albums yeah I know which yeah. is just madness absolute madness you know maybe it was just like people felt it wasn't that interesting compared to other things that were being released at the time yeah um, maybe but also there's that argument of like actually following up an album with Centipede Hurts with this is in itself quite a bold move. Yeah. That's a wildly different approach. Yeah, no, you know? I agree. I'm still surprised that it's your number two because I think there's, there's no way it's better than Strawberry Jam. Maybe it's just that it is more immediately engaging. Maybe that's what's done it. Mm. Um, I do feel like I need to listen. Again, I, like most of these albums I've only listened to twice in my yeah. entire life. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be this one. There's not much more you can get from it. After a couple no, of No, but it is immediately kind of catchy. Yeah. It's immediately enjoyable. Yeah. And I could quite happily put it on and enjoy it without concentrating on it. But Whereas... maybe it just kind of doesn't have that depth. Yeah. That... And it doesn't. I don't think it does, no, but but I don't know. And I suppose if you know, if you're a kind of long time fan, yeah. you maybe prefer the albums that mean it, that yeah. mean a lot to you yeah. and have that kind of really yeah. absorbing lyrical content. But I yeah, I I really enjoyed this and it was you know, if you can if you compare it to some of the earlier stuff, it's like it's like two different bands, isn't it? Mm. The only one I haven't mentioned that I had in my like real highlights was On Delay. Because yeah. I think that's a case with that's that a, vocal effect. But I think that's another example, actually, of of where they are still kind of being interesting with mm. this album. You've got a really like relentlessly pummeling beat on that song, and then some of the album's most like dreamy vocals over the top of it. Like that's not a normal thing to no. do, <laughs> and it work, and they make it work really well. So I still, I do still think, I think maybe that that the, actually, it's easy to mistake the simplicity and immediacy of these songs for 
um, lazy or, or or not as clever but I don't I don't necessarily agree with that no I think you're right I mean it's not Westlife is it when we say no, when we say pop it. it's still there's still challenging things going on uh, one that's worth a mention is bagels in Kiev ah yes um, not a standout song no that was on bit my... bizarre is it on your sort of lower half yeah, yeah. I think it was for me as well. Not quite as satisfying as a lot of the rest I of it. I felt like it had potential. But just worth mentioning because it's about Avitaire's grandfather who came to America in 1910 from Kiev, uh, who apparently invented, invented the bagel press, <laughs> but sold the invention to a larger company. Should I know what a bagel press so is? So obviously bagels, I think generally it's fair to say, are a much bigger thing in America than they are here. So it's just like a, you know, like you have a taco thing or whatever, like something that just forms the dough into the shape of a bagel. Right. Rather than having to hand make each individual one. Okay. Um, and where do, where and do I get a his bagel? His grandfather price? invented it, and but sold it to a larger company for not much money, who then spread it nationwide. What a story. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thunk it? Well, and and we would be none the wiser unless he had written Bagels in Kiev. So there we go. Uh, it's got that going for it. Right. We jump forward six years. And there are reasons for this, I feel, as well. Yeah. Um, is it worth mentioning skips. all the weird shit they did in the meantime? Uh, go on. Go on then. Yeah, we may as well. We've, we're kind of not going to go into debt. Are, are you talking about things like Tangerine... No, that's what that was called. What's it? I keep calling it's it that. Tangerine Reef. It is called Tangerine Reef. I don't, I don't know about this stuff. No, so. no, 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 no. It's well. I mean, I've, I've, I gave it a very quick, quick almost like a flick Me. through. Um, which, Eleven albums was enough for me. Yeah. I was like, I'm not adding anything more. No, there's a few kind of EPs out there that are in between. Um, of which what I listened to, there was nothing that was made me really want to give a proper listen to. Maybe I will at some point. You've got Tangerine Reef, which is their second visual album. So it's kind of music that was written in conjunction with footage that was being filmed. And this one was to try and highlight coral reefs and the risk that they are at and things. So it's much, it's basically a soundtrack. Um, and it sounds pretty cool. It is, but I'd, I'd like to watch the film. I haven't watched the film. I've only listened to the music and every review I've read of it says it doesn't really work as a as an album on its own but it works brilliantly as a soundtrack to the film right um so i'm really keen to sort of seek that out and, and watch it they also had one called odd sack which stood for something it was like capital letters that stood for something um much earlier on but i couldn't find as much out about that one it's a similar thing film and music written at the same time alongside each other kind of thing and they've done a couple of soundtracks and things as well in sort of more recent years um just for other things but yeah, that's that's it really. I feel like that stuff is only for super fans. Yeah. Basically. And we're not quite super fans. No, Sorry, I wouldn't say guys. I'm a super fan. Um, not enough to put myself through more of their ambient experimental stuff. <laughs> I mean, we've listened stuff. to eleven albums of theirs, so. And not hated it. That's the key. Hated some of it. Hated some of it, it, but not hated the experience as a whole. Anyway. They went, they did all that, and then in 2022, uh, we got Time Skiffs. Um, yeah, and obviously, 
you know, it was a, a quite a long kind of writing and recording process due to the pandemic. I was going to say the key thing to mention being it is a pandemic album. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, so it's it's quite in the middle of my ranking. I've got it at number five. Where did you have it in the end? Uh, number seven. So yeah. yeah. So it's um, both near the middle. But what really surprises me is the reviews of this album um, are mm. genuinely, generally really good. Okay. Um, and I've seen quite a few um quite a few fans saying oh it's a real return to form the animal collective they know and love is back i do think the experimentalism and the ambitions back yeah and what i do really like about it is it's back but it's back in a very different way yeah so i i get it i do get that i get why people were excited about it who had been fans for a long time so yeah the the press release compared it to their chaotic early days um that that made me worry when I read yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is true to some extent, but it's definitely more mature than a lot of their very um, early albums. I I weirdly drew some comparisons to Campfire Songs. Okay. In terms of yeah, it having that same effect on me of being quite meditative and quite beautiful in places but with everything that's happened since that album kind of still playing a part and i think yeah it's 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 probably worth saying that the some of the songs were first kind of workshop back in Mm. 2018 um and you know the reason you know one of the reasons it took so long was because the band was really kind of hesitant to do a pandemic album yeah um, because they're very they're very reliant on that kind of live dynamic mm. and um i think that yeah they were kind of put off by the idea of making a you know recording remotely um but i i don't think i don't think it necessarily suffers because of that no no um, I, I know they sort of trialed it with an ep first and were happy with the results yeah. so they sort of went well, yeah fine let's do it i think for me it's just a very kind of middling album in the discography mm. like it has it has it has some really nice moments and it's it kind of encapsulates a lot of their stuff from different eras yeah. um it's kind of got a bit of a colorful scrapbook feel almost it, yeah which really suits the artwork I yeah suppose. i think i i, I thought it was quite, still quite summery but in a much more subtle way yeah there's a lot of kind of almost tropical sounding stuff yeah. like the, the instrumentation there's clearly a lot they tried a lot of new instruments for this one and yeah i read of... that the hurdy-gurdy yeah and uh the uh well some kind of japanese harp yeah. anyway yeah. i wrote down which kind of shows that they're all you know they're still experimenting yeah <laughs> basically yeah. continuing to explore those new ideas um i think what those instruments lend it as well is my big my biggest plus point of the album is I think it's got a, again a really organic feel to it. It feels like I don't know, almost like prehistoric ancient music. Yeah. You know, it's got a real just earthy human quality to it. Yeah, which it's definitely a lot quite of their modern stuff doesn't. At points. Um, yeah. I think it's just it. Uh, yeah, I I I like it. It's just not. I'm not sure if it knows what it is. It essentially for me it, it doesn't stick those hooks aren't there um, the melodies aren't there as much which is what I've got out of the my favourite of their albums yeah and you know like, 
like I said, a lot of people have said it's a return to form after the disappointment of Painting With. Mm. But for me, Painting With is a much more enjoyable album. Yeah. Um, so... But I w- so I would say with this one, again, we listened to it to make notes on a warm, summery, fairly muggy Sunday afternoon. But I was just sat in my chair and it was so relaxing. <laughs> like mm. it was really like that's what I meant about the Campfire Songs comparison. It was those were the two albums where I remember sitting listening to it and just feeling like oh, I could just kind of drift off but in a really good way. Just yeah. like... I don't want to fall asleep. I just want to sit and just let it wash through me and and enjoy it. It was kind of had that same kind of meditative, kind of psychedelic, I suppose yeah. that that kind of feel to it. That was that was the thing I enjoyed about the way that it is, even though it's missing that immediacy and those hooks. I kind of enjoyed that part. But it's quite exuberant at points. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. What have you have you got? Um, I mean, well, let's let's do worst again first to just get that gone. Um, so I've put we go back. Same. But I have to be totally honest. I, I have no recollection of why. <laughs> uh, and maybe that just means that it it didn't stick with me. Uh, the fact that you've got it as well means. Yeah. Obviously, I, yeah. I do think part of it for me is that it's so it's the track before last. And at this point, it starts to get a bit samey. Mm. I think that was the main thing. Um, I put that I'm getting slightly bored of the same thing at this point. Okay. Like marimba and those kind of instruments are back. It's all kind of and at first in this album it was like oh that's different they've not really yeah. done that before. By this point it's like oh they're doing that again. Um, and then at about two minutes thirty it finally changes up a bit but just gets more ambient and soundscapey. And you basically have a big ambient soundscape outro mm. for a while until the uh, last track. So. My one song that I really enjoyed for that kind of meditative, just relaxing feel um, that isn't my number one, but I wanted to mention is Cherokee. Yeah, I just think really, really blissful. I'm and being silent because I don't remember that one either. But again, but I th- I, that doesn't surprise me because there's nothing that stand out about it. It just creates a really cool mood. Anyway, that was a song I liked. Uh, any favourites for you? Uh, so I had Strong With Everything. As your favourite? As my favourite, yeah. Yeah, it's my favourite too. Just loved the kind of the ambient opening and then... Is that a wooden wind chime in there I heard? Perhaps. And then it just kind of builds to this really, you know, fun, energetic song. And yeah. quite reminiscent of Strawberry Jam, I thought. Yeah, I get that. It's kind of got a shuffle to it and a kind of that playfulness coming back a bit. And again, I've yeah. To be fair, I've used the word bouncy again with that song, yeah. which I haven't used since Strawberry Jam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was a yeah definite high point for me. The drums in particular, again, I thought were really really good. Yeah. Uh, in that one, actually, which we haven't had a sort of really cool drum moment. So yeah, that before. that definitely had a bit of oomph. Yeah, I mean, I think I think actually when you do step back and remember, it was all written recorded and and um produced remotely mm. all separate from each other to result in an album that feels as kind of human and together as this does is impressive yeah no it really yeah it it doesn't um, like i said before it doesn't it doesn't suffer because no. of that i don't think i think for me they've they've just got better albums yeah absolutely and albums that clicked 
you know, clicked yeah. more with me than this. But you know, I'm glad. I'm glad the fans love it, and and I'm glad that they're still. Again, it's like you know they got the criticism of painting with of like, oh, you've got boring. I don't think you could call this a boring album in that no. sense in terms of it not being sort of ambitious and interesting they're clearly still enjoying playing around with things and yeah. and seeing what they can do so hopefully that will continue for a little while yet yeah. yeah I mean I don't know are, are they working on anything new no do you know no idea no idea um, you'd think they might be because it's obviously this album came out after a long gap but the songs have basically been written quite a while before yeah. that so I know they've knows? bought out you know they've done soundtracks over the years mm. haven't they and I, and I know they've got their you know they've got their solo projects and stuff but yeah it's definitely made me kind of really interested in them as a band um and you know they were a band that i like i said i was aware of some of their stuff but i wasn't actively following them i now i think i will i'm intrigued really intrigued to see what they do next definitely definitely uh so a quick little uh addition because we've started recording a couple of days after we finished recording the main part of the podcast to come in and do our top fives. Um, but before that, something has been realised mm-hmm. in those few days. So more of a correction. Yeah. So we, we sort of finished our chat by saying, wonder what they'll do next. How long will it be? Not realising that the day before we recorded that chat, they have actually released a new 22-minute long single... <laughs> it's almost like they knew we were doing this. Yeah, almost like they knew. Uh, <laughs> called, uh, and the single's called Defeat. Um, they've not given any context as to like where this has come from, when they recorded it, if it's part of something that's coming soon, or if it's just an isolated thing. Um, but yeah, we've given it. I've given it two listens. Nikki, I think you've listened once, or have you listened a couple of times? Uh, I think just the once. Just the once. Uh, what are your first impressions of Defeat? Um, it's an Animal Collective song. <laughs> Very much so. Um, I mean, it's 20 minutes long, I think, you know, with a song that long, your attention is going to take a few listens yes. to really uh, get the measure of it. But I, I For would... a significant portion of it, it it's doing this, a similar thing. Yeah, I would say it's definitely on the more kind of ambient side yeah. of what they do. Um, but I really like the vocals. It's very mm. um, kind of instrumentation-wise, from from what I gathered anyway, it's quite stripped back. Stripped back. And, and you said, I think the word you used, which is accurate, was quite clean. Yeah, the vo- but it's, yeah, it's a very kind of vocal-driven yeah. song um, with, I don't know doesn't seem like there's that much else going on but again first listen could be could be wrong on my first listen the thing the thing that stood out was there's a section in the last kind of like quarter or fifth of the song where the pace picks up a little bit there's a cool bass line going on the vocals do something a bit different and it suddenly sort of gradually comes into this more engaging bit and then disappears again um i I like it yeah i I definitely had a nice time listening to it it's very uh yeah it's as pretentious as as you'd want it to be coming from them yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with a better word than relaxing because that feels like an insult. I, I've used I overuse this word so much, but again, I feel like meditative is that kind of it is. It's kind of backgroundy, but not background music. As yeah. in, you can put it on in the background and enjoy actively enjoy it. Uh, at the moment, is where I'm at with it. Yeah. yeah, I really like it, and yeah, like you say, I'm interested to see whether it's just a one-off or whether that's going to be part of. Hmm. 
an album. So we'll see. Anyway, we just wanted to quickly add that in there. Yeah. Yeah, we do know what we're doing. We've got our fingers on the pulse. <laughs> yeah, it's just that the pulse takes a couple of days to reach our finger. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I always had them as a band that I felt like I should like but didn't mm. and didn't really get. And I feel like I get it now. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, you know... <laughs> They're definitely still hit and miss for me. I mean, it's mm. I, but it's been a really interesting experience and really varied and a lot more varied than I thought it was going to be based definitely. on the stuff that I knew. Um, and yeah, obviously they are the most pitchfork band in the world. Absolutely. Um, which will lead nicely onto our top five. Um, yes. Uh, which this episode we are calling. Am I out of touch? No, it's Pitchfork who are wrong. Am I so out of touch? No, it's Pitchfork who are wrong. There we go. (laughs) That was nice. That's nice, wasn't it? Uh, yeah so as we said we're not out of touch it's just pitchfork who are wrong um, so we've we've trolled the depths of pitchfork's kind of back catalogue of reviews I will caveat that by saying I don't th- I personally haven't <laughs> trolled the depths because that would take years so you may have done Hey, look, we know this by about me by now. I, I can't do things in halves. Um, yeah, there's. I, I've trawled as much as as much as you're willing, as much as time allowed. But <laughs> I'm sure there's some I've missed. So just to caveat uh, I mean, that. yeah, as usual, I've ended up with way too many that I would want to talk about. Um, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, what we are going to do, we're, do- we're doing things slightly differently with this in that. We're going to do our top five first so that we don't end up sort of talking about any of each other's top fives in honourable mentions by mistake. And then I've got a few little others that I'd like to mention that didn't quite get into my top five, but I feel like need to be mentioned. I'm not sure Um, we discussed the honourable mentions before it was announced that you had I thought that was a given. That's just in my brain. Yeah. Um, For me, like, top five is top five, you know. You've got to be disciplined. What is it? Still, I still have a top five. Mm very difficult to choose which ones would go in there I've had to sort of decide how I'm choosing them really yes I think it's worth just saying I think inevitably with something like this and I don't know how your top five is going to end up interesting that people are more passionate about things that uh, albums that they really like and so the, the ones that we really like and have been scored what we consider to be too low probably is going to be more of a pattern here I yeah would guess. i'd say I would so guess. although not not entirely no for not me. entirely for me either but yeah anyway uh nikki would you like to go first so do you want me to list them or let's we just... just go one let's go one at a time okay so what is your number five uh most wrong pitchfork score um so <laughs> uh my number five is uh nine by damien rice um yeah. is in it didn't quite make it in my five but yeah it's all my mentions uh so 
this was given a 1.9, which yeah. I think is just cruel. It's so the reviewer was Mark Hogan. There's a few on my mentions that, that he's, oh, really? he's responsible okay. for. Um, and it's interesting. It's it's interesting just looking at the pattern of his from around this time is what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know it's like not particularly cool to like Damien Rice, but I genuinely think this is a beautiful album. Mm. Um, I know you're a big fan of it as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah, they just completely annihilate this album in the review. Um, they call it watered down coffee house troubadour shtick, uh, full of go nowhere melodies and formulaic arrangements, and say it's as if Rice has conjured up every cliche of the genre. It's just, it's like it's like listening to listen to a different album to me. Yeah, and, and like the whole like not being cool to like Damien Rice thing I've never really been aware of but it, it does pop up time and time again that that is a thing and I don't know fine whatever is he considered like quite Radio 2 maybe probably at this point anyway but, yeah uh, whatever I think he's I think he's a talent still I still look forward to hearing anything that he chooses to randomly put out when he yeah. does like, I, yeah I think his I think his music's beautiful and if it's not cool then yeah and I absolutely loved that album at the time yeah, yeah. agreed uh, so my number five is one that is not an album I know really well, but it's an album that I have listened to a few times. It's not this band's best album by a long stretch. It's considered a bit of a weak point, I think. But the reason I've put it in my number five is because it was given a zero. Oh, wow. An absolute flat zero. And I think unless someone has released something that is a CD containing silence yeah. or like one singular abrasive note for an hour there's going to be something there that means it's not a zero right it's just yeah nothing can be a pitchfork zero. being pitchfork and being reactionary or trying to get a reaction rather is how i see it um and it's the first review from someone who features f in four of my five okay uh so i'll mention him now because he is notorious online for extreme opinions in his reviews and incredibly pretentious reviews uh, stopped writing for Pitchfork in 2004, I think, from what I could see. Um, but is Brent Di Crescenzo, and I assume it's how you say his name, who, judging by some of his things, would mean that I, I, I just wouldn't trust a word he says about music. However, he's also responsible for things like the 10 out of 10 Kid A review. Oh, is that him? But which is also incredibly pretentious. Um yeah, I've not bothered getting little quotes and things from the reviews just because I don't want to, don't want to give him the <laughs> satisfaction. Fair enough. Um, because all his reviews just read like someone um, who basically I don't know thinks they're braised and Ellis or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, this one is Sonic Youth, uh, NYC Ghosts and Flowers. I don't, I don't know that album to be honest. So. It's it's fine. It's a fine Sonic Youth album. Like there are some zero. There are some weird ambient ones on there and sort of soundscapey ones. When? But there are some perfectly fine songs on there as well. Um, when? It's when from was the year that two, It's from year two thousand. Okay. Um, yeah, like he makes some points that are valid in it, 
but it's like he even mentions at the very beginning of the review that like he's always wondered what album would finally get a zero from him it's like he's tried do you know yeah. what I mean uh, anyway getting it's like fine stupid the idea of Pitchfork giving Sonic Youth a zero just kind of baffles uh, me what I mean it's all it was all it seems like this era a lot of I mean all of the ones from him that I've got in my top five were from the early noughties it's like it was just a bit of an era at that point of doing that which is you know it was for a lot of like enemy was similar around then yeah like but yeah I love Sonic Youth but yeah that album's not on my radar at all yeah no it's worth a listen there's some good stuff on there I think what's your number four uh so my number four is uh Futures by Jimmy Eat World is that is this gonna be it's not in my top five no uh, only because it was gonna be my number five if Sonic Youth wasn't because okay. I had to decide which one is going to be there because it personally means something to me which one's going to be there because on principle it should and get that score uh, so I, that's why I went with the zero because I just think very rarely should an album get zero otherwise I'd completely be with you yeah here. I mean I think a three is pretty well it's completely wrong as far as I'm concerned because it's probably my favourite Jimmy Eat World mm. album um, yeah it's just <laughs> I don't, was this the same guy do you know no, uh, this was the same guy as the um, Damien Rice one. Oh, okay. Well, I think they uh, Pitchfork do- generally seem to have a problem with this kind of music. Sometimes, yeah, definitely. Not always, but sometimes. Um, they've well, been they've been they're very fickle with like emo and emo adjacent stuff. Well, they've said it drags emo down as far as it can go. Mm. Uh, it's like a rotten onion revealing layer upon layer of foulness. And it's hard to think of an album more mundane. So based on his review of this and Damien Rice 9, uh, he's basically allergic to feelings. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I just... it's I, I don't understand the kind of, like, criticism of these last two albums being middle of the road because, like, you know, maybe I'm just missing something. Yeah. But um, for me, they're two really kind of strikingly emotional emotional albums. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm not got much more. Sex. We like I've talked about that album a lot when we did Jimmy Eat World episode with Neil Pike. Um, was that you? Was it? How did it rank for you? I can't remember. It was my number two in the end. I think no, maybe my number three in the end. Actually, oh. it was my favorite at one time. One time, it was my favorite Jimmy. Yeah. Album. Um, but yeah, a three is ridiculous. As far as I see it, anything below a five is basically saying this is an actively offensively bad album, and I can understand people not being as keen on futures as other Jimmy Eat World albums. Mm. There are people out there who, you know, think it's a misstep and things like, like I get I can get why. I don't agree, but I can understand why, but a three is, mm. is insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um so my number four is my kind of least extreme view of my top five. It's Brent again. And it's not him being kind of it's just him getting this wrong, in my opinion, mm. slightly. Uh so it's the white stripes and elephant. Oh, interesting. Which I would consider pretty much anybody to view as an at least an eight album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a landmark album. It's significantly impacted music for a while. Uh, one of it, the songs still gets chanted in football stadiums yeah. now, twenty years on. Um, it's an iconic album, and it's a flawless album in yeah. my opinion. Um, and he gave it a six point nine. That's bullshit. Weird. I wonder weird. if they'll reappraise it. Yeah, it'd be interesting because I feel like that's an album where you can't. I can't see how someone could listen to it and just be like, "Yeah, it's fine." 
I feel like you'd either think this is incredible or I don't get it at all. If you do, you know how they rated the albums before that one? Pretty highly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was their whole bit too old, polished, old bit too mainstream. mainstream. Yeah. 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 Anyway, again, Brent, do one once more. Uh, Nikki, what's your number three? <laughs> Can we quit with the thighs? I try. I'm trying. I'm just <laughs> so excited. Um, so mine is uh, an album by Elliot Smith called Figure Eight. Yes. Um, so it's, I didn't see this one. Okay. It's not well. It's oh, not. Is it similar to what I just? Yeah. It's uh, it's not okay. a particularly extreme uh, rating, um, but it's a six point nine. Oh, again. Okay. Um, which I feel just. I mean, I'm a huge Elliot Smith fan, um, and I, I I think this album is definitely up there, and it's you know described elsewhere as a masterpiece. Um, and just for context, they gave Green Day's... Is it Father of All Motherfuckers? Oh, the last one? Yeah, 6.7. <laughs> and that is like... That's so funny. Completely uninspired, childish oh, that's album. so wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just... Yeah, so it's like... I take it back. Um, it, it is reasonable to give an album a zero. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought I'd give that context because like... In, in my view these those albums couldn't be further apart um i i figure in sorry go on go on sorry um and no no say what you're gonna say well, i just think in hindsight it's quite interesting i wonder if they'd review this differently because the like uh title line or the, uh, the first line of the review is oh elliot are things really that bad yes so this was and um, yes they were that bad yes they were We've been listening to this grizzled old bastard's miseries since his self-titled India than Mary Lou Lord 1995 debut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, um, it, the review goes on to say that it includes some of his least inspired music of all time. Not true. Um, that his sometimes lumbering songwriting can become unbearably random sounding, a problem that plagues this record from start to finish. Uh, Those two statements contradict each other. Which I don't agree with at all. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make sense. And then you only need to hear so much Elliot Smith before you get the point. Nah, sorry. Well, clearly you need to listen to some more then. Yeah. That's what I'd say there. So... Yeah, I didn't see that one at all, but yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, it's just... Yeah, in hindsight, it is also quite mean-spirited, given what we know (laughs) happened to Elliot Smith. Um, And obviously, you know, obviously you want to know that, but just shows you yeah I don't know about choosing words carefully I suppose and things like that um, my number three is Brent again uh, and it's his 2.0 review of Nine Inch Nails The Fragile okay well that is my number two so go. yeah 1999 uh, the follow up to Downward Spiral uh, and it's you know it is bloated and it is Trent going big um, and conceptual and you know it's dense and it's hard to get into if you're not into that kind yeah. of thing I get all of that it's not their best by any means it also but... has some of his most beautiful songwriting on it yeah but have you seen the quote which is uh, Trent Reznor is the worst, most predictable, most uninspired lyricist working today. 
I see. Like, I feel like this guy's got beef with Trent because he goes in, it goes into like personal attacks on him throughout the. That's what I mean. Review. It's just, it's, just, it's just the kind of reviewer that gives music criticism a bad name. Is how I see this guy. But he gets a lot of credit for having sort of changed the scene of music criticism as well in terms of his concept reviews and things, which I just think are absolute arse. The, well, the, the, one of the biggest of which is my number one choice, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's called it Stunningly Monotonous, which... It's just, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Something, it just leads me to conclude that people are born with different ears that working in a completely different way. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Again, it just, it just, it just feels like very kind of personal, and the way it's written as well, like some kind of pretentious student uh, thesis is just. Oh, well, this is it. This is what all of his reviews yeah. read like. Yeah, yeah. Even the ones that we agree with, like the Kid A one, I think it's just. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was your number two. Yeah. Okay, so my number two is uh, the only case in my top five of an album that is rated highly, and there are people that this is a, it's an album that splits people, but I think there are more people out there who think it's an utter wank fest, which is Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music. Okay, which is an album in which Lou Reed uh, set up two guitars in different positions in his attic leaning against amplifiers and recorded the feedback for over an hour <laughs> oh Lou um, what did they give it? 8.7 Okay. very specific score for an album that is just basically white noise but they do this, they, their scores are really weirdly specific um, and I want to know if there's a system But well, again what I do agree with is that it was a very interesting concept and all of this stuff I get it and he's, Lou Reed's talked about that album a lot in, and uh, like made interesting points about it and what he was doing and things and it's as an art piece I kind of I get it and it's interesting that it happened and mm. whatever it's unbearable to listen to absolutely unbearable to listen to like, like Dance Manatee yeah. <laughs> level unbearable Dance Manatee has more song structure okay when was this released 1975 okay I've never listened to this, so I can't really comment. But... I mean, it's imagine what I'm describing, and that's what it sounds okay. like. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I've got to say on that one. Okay. What well... is your worst pitchfork score of all time? Well, my again, this is. I think this is driven by kind of personal feelings, uh-huh. and I think you've gone for more of like the objective well, view. Yeah, but I think my number one is very much because of personal views. So yeah, it's my number one. So mine is actually Kanye West Jesus. Okay, which I actually had as one of my favorite of his albums. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they've given it a nine point five. Yeah, which I did think was too high. Um, and. I think this is just another example of Pitchfork kissing Kanye's ass and which yeah is fair refusing to address some of the really problematic uh, elements of this album wasn't obvious at the time but there's definitely yeah yeah oh so you don't think the the lyrics you mean you don't think the lyric eating Asian pussy all I needed was sweet and sour sauce is obvious of course I do and we did talk about that when we (laughs) did the episode on Kanye no I thought you meant sorry I thought you meant musically I thought you meant uh, sorry Scratch that. I thought you meant in terms of 
Kanye as a person around. Well, I think that sums him up as a person. But we didn't know at the time things like we know now in terms of him being an utter arse. No, but, well, anyway, I think it's like... Outside of the music. Insufferably misogynistic Mm -hmm. and the lengths that this review goes to defend it um, in fact they say that like many of the album's most powerful moments have him railing, ag- railing against an ineptitude with the opposite sex wow um, and wow like almost trying to paint him as a victim and it's like it's, it's not an ineptitude it's like almost a hatred I think that comes across here and, and don't get me wrong they're like Black Skinhead I think is one of yeah. Kanye's very best songs um, but I just think it's really interesting how Pitchfork is so holier mm. than thou about some things mm-hmm. and yet Kanye can seemingly get away with whatever he wants you know it's got lines like there's a song called I'm In It um, that they call uh, Dancehall Orgasm Mired in Quicksand I mean oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just bullshit and I think like yeah this is probably a lot to do with my kind of personal feelings about Kanye. Which is absolutely fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I just... I think it kind of... It, it just think, really irritates me. I think ten years on from this album, we can now look back at it and see it very much as the start of the downfall. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, my number one, Brent's back, giving one of the most revered loved respected alternative rock alternative metal albums of the last few decades in tool lateralis a 1.9 see i knew i i I, as soon as i saw that i knew this was going to be your number one Oh, what an ass. Oh, well, should we say that obviously Francis the Mute probably would have been your number one? I meant to mention that at the beginning. Yeah, I've not included Francis the Mute or D. Last in the Comatorium because we talked about those at length and read the whole review out um, in the Mars Volta episode. So if you want chat about that, go back to that episode and listen to it because we do go through that, that review in particular in great detail and how wrong it is. Um... <laughs> But this is close. This is close. Lateralis, again, is, is such an important... I think, like you say, it's a personal thing. It's such an important album to me in terms of my music tastes shifting when mm. I first discovered it. I just didn't discover it in 2001 when it came out. I was kind of... It was a couple of years after that. But, um, yeah, again, like, like we were saying, like anything below a five means offensively bad, and, mm. and which he clearly thinks it is. Most of his review is a sarcastic review from the point of view of someone he's imagined that would love it. So most of the review is actually a positive review. Oh, God. Um, someone called something Fubert or something. And basically someone who's been brought up with a dad who loves prog. And like, just, just infuriating yeah. to read someone being that smug condescending yeah um so again i've not got any quotes or anything for it because i didn't want to bother mm. with that um there's no point going into it anymore people people know what a great album that is <laughs> that's that he's wrong <laughs> completely and utterly wrong <laughs> well 
Yeah, so it's turned into basically um, a public lynching of Brent de Crescenzo rather than <laughs> just a general pitchfork annihilation. But there we go. Um, only other ones that I really quickly wanted to mention that, that didn't quite get there. An album that I loved at the time. I can see why people would think it's just very middle of the road and whatever, but a 2.6 for Noah and the Whale's debut, Peaceful and the World Lays Me Down. It's Mark yes, Hogan I did, again. I did see that. Mark Hogan again, the Jimmy Eat World and Damien Rice reviewer. Um, similar things going on there in that review. Placebo Black Market Music, 2.4. Yeah, that's too low. Um, Although, he, they, I think Brian Molko has since said it's his least favourite. Yeah, and again, there are absolute problems with it, but 2.4 is, is silly. Uh, another one of my absolute favourite albums being Dear You by Jawbreaker, uh, 2.3. Oof. Um, Audio Slave debut, 1.7. Just really silly. It's a really enjoy. It's not an artistic masterpiece, but it's mm. a really enjoyable album. Uh, one that divides people a lot, and I know people either really loved this or really hated it at the time, so I kind of get why this has happened. Dan the Suck versus Scroobius Pip Angles, 0.2. <laughs> Looking back, I loved it at the time. Yeah. Looking back now, I'm not as in love with it, I think there's things about Scroobius Pip that we don't really agree with anymore as much nothing offensive or like mm. but like just I can see why people found it condescending it was or very slightly like insincere of its time as well yeah. but at the time to have given it a 0.2 again I think is silly there's definitely things there still that are that still have merit yeah, I mean, there are still there are still songs on it that put a smile on my face. I mean, one of the biggest things with the reviewers is um, Ian Cohen, by the way, who still reviews Pitchfork, I think, and overwhelmingly I agree with mm. on most of his reviews. Um, uh, one of the biggest criticisms he's had, he's had of it was actually of the, the music, so Dan Lassac's contribution, which I don't think is fair. I think it's not for everyone, mm. but, but I think he's very good at what he does and has moved on to do very different yeah. things since but I think he's very talented um, same same reviewer also reviewed Balance and Composure The Things We Think We're Missing which is one of my favourite albums of the 2010s I think it was my third favourite album of the decade in mm. the end or something 6.6 just saw it was very middle of the road right. again fine whatever just uh, a few honourable mentions here yeah. people yeah that's it my very last ones are just ones that I thought were too high which is with the Beatles by the Beatles, which we had I, I had as my very worst Beatles album. They gave it an eight point eight, yeah, just because it's the Beatles. Animal Collective have a Holland again, which is a live album just after Dance Manatee. They gave it eight point one. It's it's nearly as bad as Dance Manatee. And finally, the tens that I don't think should be tens. The Beatles rubber soul. Yes, actually, I was I was going to put that in there, but I thought I might get crucified. Yeah, no, it's a good album, but yeah, it's nowhere it's near a 10. a ten. It's not a ten. Whole live through this. Um, it's good. It's not a ten. Mm. There's very few albums they've given a ten. Chris to. Chris hates women. There's very few <laughs> albums they've given a ten to. Live through this is not one of them. It's not one that should be. Sorry. Uh, and weirdly, so every REM album pretty much has a high score. Yeah. The only ones they've given tens to are Murmur, the debut, and Reckoning, the follow-up. Reckoning was like my, one of my least favourites. Yeah, I agree with Murmur. Murmur's good, I wouldn't give it a 10. Reckoning, absolutely not. Um, can I say something really controversial mm. that you're going to hate me for? Go on. I don't think the Blue Album deserves a 10. That's nonsense. <laughs> 
No, I get. No, again, I, I think when you look at what the I think it should be up there, but I don't. I don't think it. Does, I yeah. don't think it. Deserves I think when you look at albums that have that haven't got tens, mm. I, I can see why you think. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. But, but you know, it's because it's Pitchfork and the, the the scores make no sense whatsoever, as we know. There we go. That was fun. <laughs> it was cathartic. Uh, yeah, nice little rant. Our favourite. The thing is, I do think they know what they're doing slightly with these bad reviews yeah, because even decades on, they're still getting hits on their website. Yeah, so completely. Um, and they are, you know, they are an exciting publication in that the scores really start a conversation. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that's you know, uh, well, as we've just proved. Yeah. Yeah. So they've they've done very well at kind of establishing an identity. And and full disclaimer, I I uh, you know I don't dislike Pitchfork. I still no, get me a, I still get a lot of new music I listen to from Pitchfork. Not necessarily from reviews, but just from things that are on their like upcoming list and things like that. Like I, th- I think over overall, it's a it's a good thing to yeah. have. Yeah, it's wanky um, as fuck, but yeah. they're they're. So they're right sometimes. Yeah, well, so. exactly. And but their writers are all clearly like so passionate about yeah. music. Yeah, exactly. um, so yeah, this isn't um, this isn't an anti-pitchfork podcast. No. no. Yeah, we we're doing it because we love you, and we think you can be better. You're just wrong sometimes. You're yeah. just wrong sometimes. Um. So, very quickly, we just wanted to give a couple of kind of recommendations because uh, we didn't do it last time with the AAS one particularly. We were still getting into the swing of things slightly yeah um would you like to go first uh yeah so my first recommendation is the new Sigur Ross album mm. so is it how do you pronounce it is it Atta Ata? I don't know uh, I don't know I'm afraid A-T-T-A yeah. with an accent yeah. somewhere yeah so um yeah their first album in a decade we knew it was coming but it was kind of dropped out of the blue um some critics have called it quite unengaging but it's it's similar to like is it Valtari is that the name of one of the, like the ones that are a bit more ambient yeah it's definitely more post than rock <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah um, right. it, but it's you know it's really beautiful it's very kind of cinematic mm-hmm. um, and it's yeah I think it's it's the kind of album that deserves to be listened to in its entirety and I would say in headphones personally yeah I, I went and had a listen in the communal garden in the, around midnight on one of our nice and warmer nights recently when it came out in headphones. oh but it was, it was beautiful absolutely beautiful like I, I got quite emotional listening to it in that scenario yeah and apparently advanced copies of it so I'm guessing that's copies that were distributed to reviewers and stuff mm. were just a single 56 minute track mm-hmm. Which I think tells you a lot about how it's supposed to be listened to. So, which which I think goes for pretty much all their albums, doesn't it? Yeah. Really? So yeah. it's great to have them back. It's a very beautiful album. Um, it's maybe not as immediate as some of their other releases, mm. but I like it very much. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, did you have anything? Well, yeah. We should should yeah. we take it in turns? Uh, yeah, if you want. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll go with. Uh, so, well, both of mine are albums that came out. Uh, yesterday, as of oh, recording, so God. Friday 30th of June. Um, this is how quickly he listens to. <laughs> <laughs> or they were both on my radar to listen to. Um, so the first one is the new album by Bedroom. <laughs> Bedroom, I assume. B D R M M. You know, you know who I mean. Um, their 2020, their 2020 debut was one of my favourites of the year. Really, really loved it. 
I've been looking forward to anything from them since um, and yeah the new one didn't disappoint it's very kind of um, lush in places and I said to Nikki I think there's there's quite a significant kind of modern Radiohead influence in a, in a lot mm. of it um, I don't really know how to describe it other than that I've only given it one listen so far yeah. but uh, yeah definitely if that's not on your radar yet um, go and give that a listen was that to me or the general listening general, both because it yeah it's on my the, radar the world the world um, so my <laughs> second recommendation well it's songs from an album that are coming out mm. in August so it's Be Your Own Pet are back um, we have the privilege of seeing them at their uh, Third Man Records show which is a yeah in the blue basement a tiny little venue at the bottom of Third Man Records I in, absolutely loved it yeah because they've just signed with them and it was their first London show in 15 years and it was yeah definitely had like if anyone's familiar with Be Your Own Pet very kind of chaotic mm. live shows and it definitely still had that energy um, but yeah they've got a new album well I would say Mummy but it's Mommy, Mommy. <laughs> out on 25th of August and they've got a few tracks out from it already Hand Grenade Worship the Whip and Good Time really worth listening to yeah. um, it's definitely they've definitely kind of got a ma- more mature polished sound but I think you know they've grown up so that's inevitable uh, and, and the energy is still there yeah you know it's um, so yeah they're touring the UK in August and they're actually playing All Points East on the day the album comes out so like if I can get to that I really want to so yeah yeah that's that's my second recommendation I I, I wasn't really familiar with Be Your Own Pet from before um, like knew of them and knew mm. a couple of songs but, but yeah that show at Third Man Records was really really good Um, my uh, last one is something a, a band that I only kind of found out about this week on Bandcamp. Um, it was one of the recommended albums when I logged on, uh, and it came out on Friday. And it is Tao Fire by Mong Tong. I've seen it getting quite a lot of positive reviews all over the place. So that's uh, the way you've said that. I oh, don't. I remind myself of my dad too much sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Love you. Yeah, the single Tropic Sub uh, was put out from before, before the album came out, which is absolutely fantastic. I still I think it's one of the album highlights. Um, but it's really great. It's a Taiwanese, um, two Taiwanese brothers, uh, sort of psychedelic. This one's more rock-oriented than, mm. than a lot of their previous stuff. A lot of their stuff's more ambient, but they use sort of a lot of samples of traditional Taiwanese and other South Asian and Southeast Asian they, they span quite a yeah. range of different. We listened last night, stuff. didn't we? Uh, After had a little a few listen bits. last night when we got in. Yeah, um, I just it's really really cool. Uh, specifically for the Animal Collective <laughs> episode that we've yes, done. Yes, I think there might be quite um, a lot of crossover there. You know, the psychedelic aspect of it and the sort of ambient aspects of it and things I think would appeal. Um, yeah, really really cool. So that's it. Uh, we've rambled on for long enough. <laughs> yeah, sorry everyone. I say, I say we. Sorry. Yeah, mostly Chris. But which just leaves us with one more thing, which is to uh, announce who we'll be covering next. Now, there's a slight. Uh, we've already done the spinner once, uh, but already tired of it. Well, we're not tired of it. I'm not tired of it. Uh, but um, what we are going to do is obviously 
part of what what is good and enjoyable about this podcast is getting other people in and getting guests in and, and getting other people's kind of opinions on stuff um and so if there's a guest that we have willing and and keen um and they have an act they particularly want to cover then we're gonna do that and just put them in amongst the random ones uh so we are delighted to have a returning guest uh one of the best guests not just saying that because he's my best friend but uh one of the best guests we've had i think in paul chave uh he's gonna come back and rank the albums of the smashing pumpkins with us this has been a long time coming. Yeah, sounds like a jolly old time. I'm not being sarcastic. I do genuinely <laughs> that like. Sounded very sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know. I do. I do genuinely like them. But how many albums do they have? Yeah, it's it's many. It's more than ten anyway. Yeah. And some long ones. Yeah, I such think, as this year's triple album. Yeah. Again, I think <clears> for me, a bit of a mixed bag. They've got some absolutely classic albums, but yeah. there are some so that might, I'd just avoid. Yeah, it might be a little while before we're actually ready to uh put that one out there maybe we'll do a little top five songs or something in between just to kind of keep things going yeah um but yeah otherwise we'll see you at some point with paul chave to review and rank the albums of the smashing pumpkins see you in the future bye bye <laughs>